The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. The subject this morning is simply suppression leads to depression. Suppression leads to depression. I am Pastor Redland's brother. I am the tall, skinny, good-looking one. And uh, if you're wondering, you know, well, what do we call you if you're near your brother? Please just feel free to call me Pastor Rob. Um, Whenever we're together, he is Pastor Redland. Um, He is my much older brother. He is six years older than I am. If he says anything differently, what do we call that? I'm not going to say it, but he is lying, <laughs> just telling you. I was born in 1970. He was born in 1950 like, or something. I don't know. He's old. <gasps> First Peter chapter 1, suppression leads to depression. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. I heard a wise man once say this, ignorance can be fixed, but stupidity is forever. Ignorance can be fixed, but stupidity is forever. Peter is reminding us, listen, you may have done something in ignorance, not knowing, but now that you know, if you do it, you're just being a fool. Don't be a fool. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Father, we have opened your word this morning, and I just pray that you would help us to center our minds upon it in your word alone right now. May the cares of this world be put aside And as we enter into your throne room right now, I ask that you'd speak to hearts through your word. Lord, if this is of me, it avails us nothing, but if it comes from you, you can change hearts and lives. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to hearts. May we not just be stirred up today, but change to be more like you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Many of us know who King Saul was, He was the first king of Israel. Remember, Israel had rejected God from being their leader. And they said, we want a king just like the rest of the world. We want to be like everyone else. Can I tell you, I think that is happening in America today. Where once the word of God ruled, now we say we want to be like everyone else. Oh, that we would go back to the things that made this country great and that is God and God alone. Saul looked good. He was tall, he was handsome, seemed to be humble. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, Saul is anointed king. By chapter 16, verse 14, we see this, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him, 
And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Not with you, Saul. The Lord is with David. I want you to get what has happened in Saul's life so we can figure out how he got to this place in his life. Chapter 10, he's anointed king. By chapter 13, he's making a wicked sacrifice. And when he's caught doing what he's not supposed to be doing, he blames the people and he blames the man of God, Samuel. It's not my fault. You didn't show up on time. The people were concerned and wanted me to sacrifice. Not a true statement. He lied. He blames others for his sin. Remember when David's sin was pointed out, what did David do? He went immediately to God and said, God, I have sinned. Saul said, it's not my fault. Chapter 15, we see his disobedience in not destroying Amalek. God said, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. I don't want any living thing amongst the Amalekites left alive. Destroy them all. They go to battle. They win the battle. Samuel shows up again. Saul says, I've done what the Lord's commanded. And Samuel says, I can hear the sheep. Why are they here? Well, again, it's not my fault. The people have spared the best to sacrifice to God. I disobeyed so I could do what was right. How foolish. Saul suppressed righteousness in his life. And it led to his own depression and, if you will, anxiety. We live in a culture now where this is acceptable where if you don't have depression, if you don't have anxiety, then there's something wrong with you. No, my friends, I am telling you this. If we will do what God has asked us to do, if we will be obedient to the things in our lives, it, it does lead to the right place. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that even God will lead us into something that we just go, how did this happen? Why am I here? And God says, I'm bringing you here to grow you, to stretch you. I, I will illustrate it this way. I was youth pastoring just outside of Chicago, Illinois, and I loved it. It was outside of Gary, Indiana, which was the murder capital of the world while I was there. I had a teenager shot because somebody wanted his coat almost killed him. I was stopped by the National Guard going to visit teenagers in Gary. And they were like, what are you doing down here? I'm like, I'm visiting my teenagers. And they're like, you do not belong here. 
there are gang wars going on. That's why we're here. And I'm like, are you telling me I can't be here? And the, the guy looked at me and said, I'm telling you, you shouldn't be here. I'm like, well, my teenagers are here. Can I go visit them? And he's like, go right ahead. But if you get shot, that's on you. It wasn't a beautiful place, but I loved it. I loved being there. It's where God had called me. It was time for our missions conference and the pastor asked us as a staff to pray that God would call somebody from our church into the mission field. So I started praying, God, <clears throat> you can call all of my teenagers. I'd love for all of them to go. Um, and God said, what about you? Um, no, no. No, Rob, I want you to go. And then I thought this, I thought if I tell him yes, he'll tell me I can stay. So I said, okay, God, I'll go. He goes, I want you to go. And I went, no, what part of this don't you get, Lord? You need me here. Can I tell you they replaced me from, with one of my own teenagers? That's how easily I was replaced. I was replaceable. God said, I want you to go. I was miserable, literally miserable. And I had to preach a message on the disobedience of King Saul. And I went, God, that's me. I said, God, you know I don't wanna go. But if you want me to go, I'll go. And we went to Wales, Wales. What is in Wales? I'm like, why Wales? We got there and guess what? I fell in love with it. Five years later, I want you to come back to the United States. I got back to the States and I'm telling you, it was terrible. I'm like, God, all I wanna do is be back in Wales. I didn't want to go, you made me go. Now you're making me come back when I don't want to come back. What is wrong with you? And I'll tell you, for the first time in my life, I was truly depressed. And I went, God, I don't know what is going on here. I don't know what you want from me anymore. And for really the first time in my life, I felt like a person without a country and without a God. I was angry. I stopped praying, I stopped reading my Bible. I was at a men's conference and my pastor was preaching at the conference. And he said, God had asked the Israelites to take a step of faith going through the Red Sea. And he said, in my life, he said, what I wasn't prepared for, he said, when they got to the Jordan River, God asked the children of Israel to take another step of faith. And he said, the priests were literally walking into the Jordan River and they're getting wet. And God is not part of the Jordan. He said, you know, they're ankle deep, they're knee deep, they're thigh deep. And all of a sudden the Jordan River parts and they get to walk across. And he said, they had to take a second step of faith. And I was like, oh my. I was sitting next to my brother and he was like, hey, hey, this is for you. And he looked over and tears are streaming down my face. He's like, oh, sorry. One of his assistant pastors had been a missionary in Cuba. And when God had brought him back to the States, I looked at him and I said, I feel like a man without a country. He said, oh yeah, reverse culture shock. And I went, what, wait, what? 
There's a name for it. He goes, oh yeah, a lot of missionaries go through that. I'm like, I'm not crazy. He goes, oh, you're crazy, but this is what you're going through. I got on my knees that day and I said, God, I'm sorry. I've left you out of one of the most important decisions I can make. God led me to a place called Las Cruces, New Mexico. It was described as a crime-laden desert meth town, Las Cruces. I was there for nine years, planted a church there, and I loved it. And God said, I want you to go. And I said, okay, Lord, whatever you want. I'm willing to do it now. Saul suppressed righteousness in his life and it led to his own despair, dare I say depression. Listen to me, I know that all of us want to change something about ourselves. You may say, I I wish I looked differently. I wish I had a different character. My past, maybe there's been abuse in your life, a death of a loved one, and you're struggling. Hey, I get it. I understand it. Let me illustrate it this way with two things. First of all, several months ago, I saw an ad for a pair of shorts and they were made specifically for men for bedtime. They were brushed cotton, they looked very comfortable. So I ordered a pair of these shorts and they came in the mail. They were the right size, right fit. I wore them for about a week and then I put them in the wash. The ad said that they were pre-shrunk. It was about a month and a half later before I wore them again. And when I put them on, I'm like, these things shrunk. They lied. Like, I'm gonna send these things back, these jokers. The next morning I got on the scale and I hadn't been on the scale in quite a while. I had been playing basketball like four times a week. And you go, you play basketball four times a week and you look like that? You should see what I eat when I get done playing basketball. That's the problem. I stepped on the scale. I was 14 pounds heavier. I had been sick, had been playing basketball, and I gained 14 pounds in about a month and a half. Trust me, it's not hard to do when you're 53 and you're no longer exercising. I went, they didn't lie. I gained 14 pounds in a month and a half. Can I tell you that choices have consequences? I can choose to eat healthy and it has a consequence, correct? I can choose when I get done playing basketball to go to a fast food place and eat and it has a consequence. You may not believe this, but in the last month, (laughs) I have lost 17 pounds and still look like this. Why? Because choices have consequences. Paul figured out relatively quickly that Saul figured out that his choices had consequences. And they led him to a place that he probably thought he would never end up. He ended up killing himself because of the choices that he made. Let me illustrate something else. I taught at a school for several years in Las Cruces. I was also the girls basketball coach and the girls volleyball coach, her name was Miss Kelly. Kelly 
played Division I volleyball. She was about six foot two, maybe six three, and she could smack a volleyball. She was the girls' volleyball coach, and so we interacted quite a bit. And we would often tease each other, and I would call her stilts all the time. And we were talking um, during the students' lunch hour, and we were surrounded by students, and I'm making fun of her. And all of a sudden, she says, wait, 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 stop. And she bent over, and she said, wait, let me get on your level. And all of the students went, oh, Mr. Redland, she burnt you. And I looked at her, and I said, I hate you right now. (laughs) What I did not know was my second grade daughter was standing behind me when I looked at Miss Kelly, her hero, and said, I hate you right now. Later on that afternoon, my daughter saw Miss Kelly walking in the hallway. My daughter's walking with her class to her classroom and she stopped. And she looked at Miss Kelly and she said, Miss Kelly? And she said, yes, Annie. And she said, Miss Kelly, I'm sorry that my daddy hates you. She said, oh, honey, he was just kidding. And my daughter said, no, I don't think so. I think he hates you. (laughs) I can't change my height. I can't. Wish I could. I have another brother that's six foot one. Really good basketball player. I was like, Lord, why can't I be six foot one? I don't need to lose weight. I just need to gain height. I can't change it. There are things about yourself that you cannot change and you know it. But what you can do is give God your, all your heart, soul, strength, mind. Give him your best. It's easy. It's easy to leave God out of your life, isn't it? You've got classes, you've got collegians, you've got friends, you've got studies. You have all of these things. And those things are important. But don't leave the most important thing undone. Choose wisely. Please hear me. I know that there are some people that have physical problems that may lead to anxiety or depression. I get it. You might be on a medication right now that helps with that. I'm not here to judge and say, you shouldn't do that. I'm not a doctor. I'm here to tell you as students, if you choose to leave God out of your life, it will lead to a consequence. And that consequence is going to take you further than you want to go, right? Keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Of course we live in a nation that is full of depressed and anxious people. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, now let your requests be made known unto God. We live in a country that is leaving God progressively out of their lives, and we're getting further and further into the muck and mire of this world. People are depressed. I got on to a tram in Denver's airport yesterday. And the doors were beginning to shut. And it happens every time that somebody tries to push their way through the closing doors. And the doors will pop back open. And the announcement comes on, please stand clear of the doors. the, The train is departing. Well, when this guy pushed his way in, he hit another man's wife. I mean, smack dab, ran into her. Didn't apologize, nothing. 
And this old man turned and looked at him and said, what are you doing? And this young guy looked back at him and cursed at him. And the guy said, you just ran into my wife and did not even apologize. And the guy smiled at him and I thought, dude, that old man is going to destroy you. And the old man just looked at him and kind of grinned. And he said, don't touch my wife. And the guy just turned his head, never apologized. Used the worst language he could possibly use. When we got off the train, I looked at that man and I said, hey, thank you for sticking up for your wife. And he looked at me, he said, no problem, brother. I said, I thought you guys might get in a fight. He said, it wouldn't have been a fight. He never would have gotten off that train. I looked at his arms and they were like this. And I'm like, oh, I wish you would have knocked him out. <laughs> it would have been so cool. But you know what it reminded me of? A young man that only thinks of himself. Could have cared less about anybody else or anything else. College students, I'm telling you, there are thousands and thousands of graduates that have left this place and are doing what God has called them to do. And I'm telling you, it is a wonderful life serving the Lord. I'm not saying it's not without its problems, but when I go to bed at night, the last thing I do is give thanks to the Lord for the day that he just gave me. And I, I tell him this, Lord, if you'll give me another one, I'll do my best to use it for you. I don't go to bed with a guilty conscience. I go to bed sleeping next to the woman God created for me and me for her. And it is a wonderful relationship. We have two children. We have a daughter that will turn 17 on Valentine's Day. I have a son who is 27 years old. We adopted him from Ukraine when he was five. He's a youth pastor serving with his father-in-law outside of Houston, Texas. Just over a year ago, they gave us our first grandchild. My life is good. Not because of who I am, but because of who my God is. You can have all that this world will offer you and it will mean nothing without God. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? And I'm telling you, the church is becoming filled with people who have lost their way, who purposely, consciously leave God out of their lives every single day. Don't let that be you. Let me finish with this. The choice is ours of either suppressing holiness and dealing with those consequences or becoming more like Christ and dealing with those consequences. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every way and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do you see what the Bible says about Jesus? Who for the joy, joy in dying for you and for me, 
And when we say there is something more valuable than Jesus Christ, it's going to take us to a place that you don't want to be. Trust me on this. A life without God is a depressing life. Can I tell you this? It's an immoral life. And for the Christian that will consciously say, I don't have time for my God. You cannot say you love him and ignore him. If you were to see me on campus with my wife, and I'm telling you I love my wife, if I were to draw my fist back and punch her in the face, you would come to me and say, Rob, what are you doing? If I looked at you and said, I'm loving my wife, you would say, that is not love, that is abuse. And you'd be exactly right. You do not abuse that which you love. You can't say, I love Jesus Christ, and abuse him, ignore him, push him away. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? A still, small voice. See, the problem is, is the world gets loud. Oh, it gets loud. And it's constantly bombarding us with things. And it's like, ah! And the Holy Spirit is here going, no, don't go there. Don't do it. Stay by my side. Walk with me. And if we're not careful, we drown it out. It leads us to a place that we have found comfortable, that we have found okay in today's culture. It is not okay to live in a place where God is not and then to blame God for the way we feel. It's time we get back into the word of God, get on our knees in prayer, give God everything. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his very best for you and for me. I'm telling you, if we suppress God in our lives, suppression leads to depression. It always has. It did with Saul way back thousands of years ago, and it does today, my friends. Are you willing to stop what you're doing that is not working and change your life to be a vessel fit for the master's use. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.